Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm back home on my Thanksgiving break, so good to take a little bit of time to sit back, relax, and enjoy some football on TV. Certainly, I'll do that this week, next week. It's Thanksgiving. It's what you got to do. We're getting close to one of my favorite holidays of the year, maybe my favorite holiday of the year, and here to break down all of the football before Turkey Day, as always, it's Reed Murray, Columbus, Ohio. Reed, what's going on? Hey, Patrick. I have a sore back after just pancaking people on the O-line for the lantern in our touch football game with the Michigan Daily. Unfortunately, my efforts were a little bit in vain. Daily ended up winning the game. But uh, I think I played well, and I'm certainly paying the price for it right now. Last night, uh had to get up in the middle of the night to take some ibuprofen. Because that sore back is just, yeah. oh, it's taking its toll. you have a bathtub? I don't. Tough luck. I was going to say a, a nice hot bath to kind of soothe your back muscles could do the trick or a cold bath. I'm going to take a long shower and just like really keep my back facing the water, but um, try and simulate that a little bit, but it, it is yeah, not going to be the same when you're not laying down. Yeah. Yeah. Shame. Well, next time you're around a bathtub, try to try and relax <laughs> those muscles in your back. I'm, I'm trying to think, well, what did I learn from, uh, my athlete years, which weren't all that athletic to begin with. But one thing I did learn, uh, nice long baths after hard fought games can sometimes be the best medicine. So uh, shout out to the Lantern and the Michigan Daily for renewing that long dormant football rivalry because certain newspapers wouldn't play anymore in football. And quite frankly, the Lantern was up to the task. So win or lose, you got to respect them for that. But Reed, let's talk about some football going on between people who aren't writing for student newspapers, right? I suppose they could, uh, like Paris Johnson last year for Ohio State was writing for the Lantern famously, but most of these guys aren't. And it, they are just playing for their universities, intercollegiate football teams. We've got a whole lot to talk about here with week 12 in the Big Ten. Read, I'll let you kick it off. What are you watching for this week? I'm watching for low ticket prices once again. This was a, a what to watch for a couple weeks ago and it's back. The highest ticket price in the Big Ten for a game this week. Oh, I, they were just showed up, showed up, showing up on my screen. Here they are. $67 for Michigan versus Maryland. And after that, Ohio State, Minnesota is at 35 That's the lowest price I've seen at the shoe in quite some time. Usually even for the bad games, the prices are a little bit more expensive. But I think that's because the weather is nice usually for most of those out-of-conference games. When it gets a little cold and you're playing a 5-5 five and five Minnesota team, that price dips down. And then it's not even getting that cold. Look at the weather, too. It's gonna be pretty. Yeah, it actually is gonna be pretty nice. Um 67 in Columbus, 4 p.m. Well, the weather that ESPN is showing says 67. That's not the weather that I'm getting on my my weather app in Columbus, but um I'm getting low of 34, high of 50. But in any case, still not bad. Um lowest ticket price in the Big Ten is five dollars for the Rutgers Penn State game. Less expensive than that Michigan State, Indiana, three and seven bowl. But uh, yeah, you can go see some Big Ten football teams for cheap this week. Hey, take advantage if you can, if you live in one of these towns or you can travel. I, I assume a lot of that is because students at a lot of these schools are going to be off campus due to their Thanksgiving breaks. Case in point, at my school, I know that's the case. It would be a dirt cheap ticket anyway for Indiana and Michigan State, two teams who aren't bowl eligible and can't be bowl eligible at this point. But I would say that, hey, take advantage if you can, because 
uh, you could see some, at the very least, interesting football. There are some games with actual stakes this week and some teams who have a chance to punch their tickets to six wins. So six win watch is another thing I would say is worth watching for. It's not my official what to watch for, but on five and five going on six watch this week, we have Northwestern at home against Purdue, Illinois going to Iowa, Minnesota going to Ohio State, and then the whole Nebraska-Wisconsin game. So that's worth circling as well. A whole lot of Big Ten West teams, in fact, going for their sixth win this week. But what I'm watching for this week, Reed, is related to one of those teams. Where's Paddock? John Paddock, the Illinois quarterback who threw for 500 yards last week, Reed, has been re-benched, I guess, after he was starting for the injured Luke Altmeyer. Now Altmeyer is back in the starting lineup, according to head coach Brett Bielema, because, quote-unquote, he's our quarterback, he's healthy, so we're going to start him. Even after John Paddock just had one of the greatest passing performances of our lifetime in the Big Ten Conference, probably the greatest in a statistical sense, Reed, this feels like an asinine decision by Illinois. you got to play the hot hand. It's brain dead. It's absolutely brain dead to just say, oh, because he's our quarterback, we're rolling with him. It's nuts. Like, stuff happens. Someone gets injured, someone else plays better. Boom, you find out. You know, it, it's like not a blessing in disguise. You don't want to call someone getting injured a blessing. But, you know, you you, you, you take something away from that. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's – I can't wrap my head around this one. It's not like Indiana played particularly good defense in the game against Illinois. But 500 yards is 500 yards. You, you, and it's you not like Altmaier is a phenomenal passer either. No, he was the reason, I think, in large part that they were struggling so much, particularly earlier in the season. He, he played some real stinkers. I mean, by Big Ten West standards, he's an all right quarterback. But compared to a guy who just absolutely torched an Indiana defense that wasn't good on Saturday, but has had some really good games, including just two weeks ago against Wisconsin. They looked like an absolute unit. Torched them 500 yards. It, it, I keep repeating that stat, but that's such an uncommon line. I mean, this guy threw for 501 game, and so far on the season, Luke Altmaier, just all year, he's only thrown for 1,800. He almost got a, a third of that in just one game. So I, I don't even know what to say at that point. Come on. You just have to play this guy. Have to. I agree. Yeah, so that's something worth watching for. Where's Paddock? If you see a little bit of struggle uh, from – Luke Almeyer early in this game, I think, against Iowa, which is possible given Iowa's defensive prowess this season. I feel like they have to make a switch at quarterback. But that's just my opinion, and clearly, at least at this point in time, Brett Bielema does not agree with it. Uniform matchup of the week, Reed, what do you got? I'm going to say Purdue-Northwestern. I think, you know, there's a couple matchups this week where the colors clash, like Nebraska-Wisconsin, two red teams, Minnesota-Ohio State, two teams with varying shades of red. This is one where I think the colors go really well together. Let's go Purdue Northwestern. I'm actually going Minnesota, Ohio State. I just think it's cool to see these uniforms on the same field together. I feel like we, they rarely play. And when they play, it's not this time of year. And I'm so used to seeing like a little bit of frost, a little bit of like, you know, sleeves on guys, winter coats on the sideline. And I don't know if we'll be getting that this weekend per se, but it'll be chillier, like you said. And I just think it'll look good. It'll look cool. It's kind of classic Big Ten. It uh, just feels right to see these two on the field with one another, Reed. All right. Good pick. I like it. All right. So Minnesota, Ohio State, Purdue, Northwestern, a couple of good uniform sets there. Sickos game of the week. I think it's got to be Indiana and Michigan State. It's the only team 
uh, with zero bowl eligible potential here. The battle for the old brass spittoon, uh, it, it should probably be a game you're not watching. I'll watch, but you're not me, so don't. Yeah, and I think it's kind of funny because Michigan State and Indiana actually have tended to play some interesting games in recent history, but the fact that both teams are three and seven kind of does make this a um, a little bit of a fans-only game. You're only going to watch this one if you're a fan of one of the two teams. And then uh, pretty Northwestern is pretty gruesome as well, but there are stakes there. And um, and it's not like there's a great noon slate that, that you'd be avoiding to watch uh, that eligibility game for Northwestern. So that one is not going to earn sickos. It definitely is Michigan State, Indiana. Yeah, at least something resembling stakes are, are on the line in Purdue and Northwestern. And Purdue is even favored uh, on the road in that game. We'll get into it here in a minute when we start previewing the games that we have ahead of us this week. In fact, that's what we're going to do right now. So a quick break right here. When we're back, we're going to preview the entire Saturday slate in the Big Ten Conference. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Back here on the first and 10, ready to get into part two of this week 12 preview. Let's break down the whole Saturday slate in the Big Ten read. We'll start with our game of the week and at the end of the day, there were a couple ways we could go. There are a few games between already bowl eligible teams, but it sure doesn't seem like all of those are going to be particularly competitive. There's some pretty crazy spreads on those. The one that we decided has the most stakes and probably the most competitiveness is Nebraska and Wisconsin, 730 NBC, Camp Randall Stadium. Badgers still five and a half point favorites despite this uh, run of negative form they've been in. Reed, do you think Nebraska can capturable eligibility for the first time in six years or do you think it's going to be wisconsin who writes the ship and gets back to a bowl this week i think it's going to be nebraska this week i i think both teams are sort of i think they're both trying their hardest to not be bowl eligible and unfortunately one of those teams is going to have to end up going to a bowl game. force movable object exactly i mean both teams have lost in the last two weeks wisconsin's lost three weeks in a row um and both teams have had pretty low-quality losses as well. Nebraska losing to Michigan State and Maryland. Meanwhile, Wisconsin has lost to Indiana and Northwestern in the last two weeks. So neither of these two teams are, are losing to teams like Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State in the last two weeks. Um, so this is a little bit of a stoppable force, movable object situation. I think the home field advantage helps Wisconsin here, but I think Wisconsin is slipping harder than Nebraska is. Nebraska was really close to getting below eligibility last week against Maryland. Mm-hmm. Just a complete complete capitulation at the end but yep. you know 13 to 10 they were they were that close meanwhile wisconsin lost 24 10 against northwestern and northwestern's been rolling lately so credit to the wildcats but it's not like northwestern is this world beating team or anything and wisconsin certainly did make them you know look a little better than they actually are i also don't love tanner mordecai being back at the helm at wisconsin and something else that's interesting about this game is that both starting quarterbacks have an equal number of touchdowns and interceptions on the season. Just phenomenal stat there. Um, <laughs> the ESPN matchup predictor has Wisconsin with a 70% chance to win this one. I think that is a lot. Just don't agree. I yeah. don't think that takes into account the way they've looked the last two weeks. Uh, give me what, what have you done for me lately, right? What have you done for me lately? That's true of a lot of things, but I think especially in sports, you have to look at, what has recent form been? Sure, maybe a month ago, it looked like Wisconsin was potentially in the driver's seat in the Big Ten West. And they were, they're fighting with Iowa, who now have a shared 
spot uh, atop the Big Ten West. They've clinched a share at the very least. And Wisconsin have fallen apart since that game against Iowa. And you can kind of throw out what they looked like in September and in early October. But the last few games for Wisconsin, really since that Ohio State game, where they played Ohio State tough, they just have not looked like a good football team, period. And uh, I don't think that changes this week. I've got Nebraska as well, Reed. I don't think it's crazy to favor Wisconsin just as the home team and as the team who we know can get to a bowl game as, as they've done for a number of years at this point. And Nebraska hasn't for uh, as long as we've been doing this show and then some. So I get that, but I think five and a half is too many points. Regardless, I'm taking Nebraska here. I'll give the Huskers a six point edge. I'm going to say Nebraska 17 to 13. 17 to 13. I think it's going to be low scoring too, like 20 to 14, something like that. I'm with you. Maybe a missed two point conversion by Nebraska. That's a weird prediction, but you know what? If it happens, I I feel like I I earn at least a pat on the back for that one. All right, Reed, let's get into some of these games with some pretty crazy spreads like this one. The Maryland Terrapins hosting Michigan. $67 is the get in price. Michigan's a 19-point favorite on the road, and I'm sure the Michigan alumni of greater Washington, D.C. are going to be out in full force supporting their Wolverines. Last update, I think, at least for now, in the Michigan suspension gate. The Big Ten has given suspension, and Michigan has said, fine, we accept, we guess. Maybe we did a little bit of something wrong. Jim Harbaugh will not be coaching these next two games for Michigan. Reed, does this impact the way you see this game at all? Not really. I mean, I, I think Michigan last week without Harbaugh proved that they can still get it done without him. And, you know, I think certain people have a varying range of takes on how Michigan played last week. I still was impressed by their Penn State wins. Some people weren't impressed by the way that they won. Regardless, they still won on the road against the top 10 team. I think Michigan will be A-OK without Harbaugh this week. I do think, though, part of me wants to say that Michigan's going to destroy them because, as we saw with, Penn, with the Penn State-Maryland game, Maryland is just a vacation home for for other big Big Ten teams, so the crowd will be there. It'll be it'll be you know the intangibles will sort of be with Michigan, and of course they're a much better football team. I could see Michigan though doing a little bit of. There's a phrase in St. Clairsville, Ohio, that says saving it for the Belair game. Belair is the rival is the rival of St. Clairsville, and you know they'll keep a couple tricks up their sleeve, maybe sandbag a little bit the week before. I'm not saying Ohio State was sandbagging the week before against Maryland last season on the road, but Ohio State didn't bring their best to College Park last season. I could see Michigan doing a little bit of the same, so I actually want Maryland to cover here. I do too. I'm going to say Michigan wins, but Maryland keeps it within 19 points. Saving it for Belairville. That's a great uh, poll there, Rita. I love that little small-town Ohio high school football reference. And I like Michigan here too, clearly. I think they are a much better team than Maryland, and Maryland have been you know, September Maryland for as long as we've been doing this show in really this entire last two months, it's been an encapsulation of that. We just have not seen Maryland play quality football, including last week against Nebraska. And look, they won the game, but it's not like Nebraska. I don't know. Nebraska blew it. That's the only reason that Michigan won this game. I really think you have to take that into consideration Maryland didn't play particularly good football last week. They did find a way to win. So I I guess you got to give them credit there. And as much as they've been struggling, I do feel like they can still give a game to Michigan. They're going to get up for this one the same way that they got up for the Ohio State game and gave Ohio State a game for 
uh, about a half until they didn't in the end. And Ohio State ended up covering in that one. But just have a weird feeling that Maryland's going to cover too. I will take Michigan by 17, maybe 34 to 17. I think they kind of take their foot off the gas late, uh, rest their guys up for OSU the next week. Yeah, I'm going to say my final score prediction is going to be Michigan by 14. 14. Okay. Also in the noon window, Reed, that game, by the way, is on Fox. That's big noon kickoff in College Park. But FS1 noon window, Rutgers also bowl eligible at Penn State in Beaver Stadium. Penn State is a 20.5 favorite now without their offensive coordinator, Mike Yurcich. Reed, it doesn't feel like Penn State should be favored by three touchdowns against anybody at this point in the year, given what we've seen from their offense. But a a 20.5 point favor with only a 40 point over under. I guess it kind of makes sense because I feel like Penn state is significantly better than Rutgers, but I also don't score expect Penn state to score many points. I'll take Penn state by 20 here. I think Penn state again by 14. I, I think that's a crazy line. 20 and a half. I mean, it's it's for sure. Like, it, they're almost like the new Iowa. It's like, can they even score 20 points period? <laughs> I, I'm I, asking I the question, but. And that is Rutgers a bit of are not the world beaters that Michigan or that Penn state rather has seen in the last few weeks, like Michigan. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, my point, you know, is that you know, obviously, Penn State, it's the the situation isn't quite as bad as as it is in Iowa, and they definitely can score twenty points. But you know, they just the way they play offense, it's it's like I'm being tortured every time I I turn on the television and, and I have to see that team because they they just play an an eyesore style of offense, scoring. It, it's you know, the style of football they play is not conducive to putting high amounts of points on the board, um, let alone high deficits between. You know, your only ball. Opponents. Yeah. So um, I, I like Rutgers again to cover. I don't think they really keep this one too competitive. I don't think they're going to look like winning for most of it, but I do think they will keep it under that 20 and a half. That, that's a bit too much of a line for me. Yeah. But hey, let's keep in mind just two games ago now at this point, Penn State hung 51 on Maryland. That's true. But then I, I do kind of think they played better than awful offense and almost let IU win that game. Yeah, so you got to take the good with the bad. But I think we've seen a whole lot more bad from Penn State on offense than we've seen good. Regardless, this is Rutgers. I don't think that they're going to necessarily give them much of a game. So I will take Penn State at home as well. That's at noon on FS1. Noon on BTN, or I guess BTN alternate, depending on your market. Michigan State, Indiana, battle for the old brass platoon. Hoosiers, three and a half point home favorites. And I think they take care of business, Reed. I'll take the Hoosiers by a field goal. I'll go Hoosiers by four. Hoosiers by four. Okay. Yeah. Good team uh, to win. Great teams cover. I think this is going to be a weirdly high-scoring game, too. I uh, didn't like what I saw last week from the IU defense, and I think that they're going to let a Michigan State offense that's a little bit anemic score some points. But on the other side, I think Brennan Sorsby has himself a game once again. Hoosiers find a way to win regardless. Noon on BTN. Also noon on BTN or BTN alternate, depending on your market. Purdue at Northwestern. The already season over Boilermakers at three and seven at the five and five Northwestern Wildcats who made David Braun their full-time head coach. Reed, let's touch on that briefly. Do you think this is the right decision for Northwestern? I mean, we we were talking about how the um, the, the coaching job of this season has just been phenomenal. And I mean, I, I don't see why you wouldn't make that decision. I mean, it's been phenomenal. Like said, it's not been perfect. They've had some games where they played really poorly, like early in the season against Rutgers and the Howard game. But 
the fact that they've gotten to five wins with this massive program, I think it's a testament to what he's done. Well, I mean, Pat Fitzgerald couldn't get this team eligible for a couple seasons. Mm-hmm. And Pat Fitzgerald was always this guy that we thought of as, as the only guy who can make Northwestern good and all that. And now here you have David Braun come in, and the team is just one win away from bowl eligibility. All they have to do is beat Purdue or Illinois. I think they'll do one of those two things. I don't think they'll do both. Um, I, I I don't see how you how you can't give them his flowers. I don't think I, they're I mean, going to be favored in either of those games, though. They certainly won't be favored next week at Illinois. And this week, they're not favored against Purdue at home. I think you have to give David Braun respect, but – the fact is that this is a team who has a 500 record playing a team who will not be going bowling and they are still underdogs at home. But Reed, you know what we say on this show? We love a home dog. I've got to take Northwestern here by a field goal. Yeah. Well, one more thing on the coaching situation. One thing I will say is that they have to be careful not to give David Braun too big of a contract after one good season, because we saw Michigan state do that with Mel Tucker. It completely mm-hmm. blew up. So they do have to be careful as to what the details of that contract are, but I still think that if, if he can just win one of these two games, even if they're not favored against bowl ineligible teams, if you take Northwestern to six and six, that's something you can sell to recruits and say, you know, we're, we're, we're building something here. So I, I still really like the move. I really want to pick Northwestern at home. I really do. I, I want them to be bowl, to be bowl eligible. It would be a great story for them to bounce back after some of the horrible things that came out in that program over the summer. Purdue, though, last week, you said it, playing with house money. They beat Minnesota at home. I, I think they kind of keep it rolling here, playing with house money again on the road. I like it. I'm going to say Boilers by three. I think a little bit of late season magic for the Boilers. If they can get to five and seven, which I think is entirely possible next week with Northwestern and IU here back to back, that that could be a pretty impressive way for them to end the year with some momentum. The slate's not going to get any easier next year for the Boilermakers. They've still got a tough non-conference. They've got Notre Dame at home, and – uh, I still don't get why they schedule these really tough non-conferences on top of tough Big Ten schedules, but they do, and that's what they've got again next year, although it gets a little easier. They've got an FCS game in there with Indiana State, the Tommy Devine Bowl, if you will. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that Purdue next year could, could be a team who goes bowling or maybe even gets seven or eight wins if they retain some of the talent they've got right now, maybe get a little bit better on offense. I think the defense will improve in year two under Ryan Walters. But, Reed, really quickly, I want to backtrack. You made some really interesting points about Northwestern's contract situation potentially here with David Braun. And one thing that I want to note is just the way Northwestern does business. First of all, we can't know how long or how expensive this contract is because Northwestern's a private school, so that information is not public, and they're the only private school in the Big Ten as of now until USC joins next year. So we can't know that, but what we do know is that Northwestern gives really long leashes to their coaches, not just in football. Pat Fitzgerald got a really long leash until the scandal, and he had some really, really lean years there in the last few that were brushed aside and said he'll, he'll figure it out, even if that probably wasn't the case. They do the same thing with their coordinators. They still got Mike Bajakian then that as long as he's been around, but we've been talking about Bajakian on the show since day one. I know, and I think Northwestern fans are, are kind of over him, but the thing with uh, Northwestern right now is they're going to give him a long leash. He's going to be there for 10 years at the very least. It's what they've done in basketball too. Chris Collins made one NCAA tournament in 2017 that had five awful years in a row and they still didn't fire him. Granted they made the NCAA tournament last year, so it turned out okay, but they still gave him that leash. 
I expect them to do the same. David Braun is going to be around for the long haul, whether it works out or not, because that's just the way Northwestern athletics rolls. Yeah, and I mean, I think Northwestern of all teams can kind of afford to do that because the standard in athletics is not so high that they can get away with having some bad seasons. Um, it is a really interesting spot to be in compared to other Big Ten teams where, mm-hmm. you know, you're back sort of against the wall. If you're not winning games right now, you're out the door. People are, are screaming for you to be out the door. Right. If you're the head football coach at Ohio State or you're the head men's basketball coach at uh, Indiana or Purdue or wherever, there is just such an immense amount of pressure on you as not only uh, somebody who should be winning games, but also as a figurehead and as a spokesperson for a brand that means a lot more than just a sports team at Northwestern. Uh, there are fans who care they exist, but there just is not that kind of pressure. And I think it makes it a lot cushier of a job that in addition to the leniency that the athletic department shows with uh, its hesitancy to fire its coaches, um, unless there was a scandal, of course, but then even it, with their baseball program, they had a scandal and, and they didn't even fire the coach and their baseball team stinks. So Go figure. Just uh, an interesting, interesting athletic department. There was a, a good piece actually about their athletic directors checkered, if you will. I think history of running things in the Daily Northwestern this week, if you're so inclined to read that. 3.30 slate here, read Illinois, Iowa, FS1 in Kinnick, the Hawkeyes, three-point favorites, over under 31 and a half. Read last week, the fighting Illini uh, against Indiana, 48 points, and they gave up 45 in overtime. Let's do the math there. 48 plus 45. We're nobody's mathematicians. That's 93. So the over-under this week is a third of the points scored in Illinois' game last week, Reed. That's the Iowa effect, baby. Hmm. Yeah, and I think this one, if John Paddock was playing quarterback, I would I would be much more excited about it. Hmm. But the fact that this is the Iowa offense playing against Luke Altmaier at Illinois, this one could be a brutal watch. And I think yeah. Iowa wins just out of sheer being better. Um, I I think it'd be really interesting. I would love to see Paddock face this Iowa defense. It's a shame we won't get that matchup. You know, maybe, hopefully, Altmaier throws three picks in the first quarter and gets yanked. But, um, you know, otherwise, this one could be hard to watch. Brett Bielema, you're breaking my heart. I had so much to talk about with John Paddock, and I've got nothing to say about Altmaier. He is a real four and a half out of ten quarterback, just absolutely below average. Paddock, there's at least excitement and potential, and you feel like you would give him a shot just in case he could be your quarterback of the future after what he showed last week. But maybe there's something they see in practice with him. He's just not that guy. But clearly last week he was that guy, and uh, I'm very disappointed that we're not going to get to watch him. Because he's not playing, I I can't pick Illinois. I will be taking the Iowa Hawkeyes here. Give me Iowa by four. Yeah, I'll say Iowa by seven. 3.30 FS1 is that game. Free paddock. That's what we're saying until it's backwards. All right, 4 o'clock, BTN in the shoe. Ohio State hosting the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Minnesota coming off of a loss last week at Ross-Aid against Purdue. The Buckeyes 10-0, looking to get to 11 before the game next week against the Michigan Wolverines. Bucks 27.5-point favorites, Reed. They've had a penchant for sloppy covers. I don't think they play perfect this week, but I think they cover. I'll take the Buckeyes by 31. Yeah, this is a hard one. This was a great line that, that they set in Vegas because I really don't know whether I, whether I want Ohio State to cover or not here. Um, <laughs> it, it really depends on Kyle McCord. I mean, last week, 
he was just wheeling and dealing on fire, but he was playing against Michigan State. Against Rutgers, he was not at that level. He's kind of a guy who, who who has his ups and downs. I think if he has another great week this week, then Ohio State's in great position going into Ann Arbor. If not, it's a much bigger question mark. And it's always going to be a question mark because the level of skill on Michigan's defense is different than that on, of Minnesota and Michigan State. Um, but I think as far as covering or not, that entirely depends on McCord. Let's just say I'll, I'll go with the optimist to me and say he is on fire once again. We'll say Ohio State covers Ohio State by 28. Hey, if the Minnesota defense is the Minnesota defense we saw last week against Purdue, then I think Ohio State has every right to be wheeling and dealing the way they were last week. Like you said, Reed, I don't want to look ahead to the Michigan game. I don't. But right now, if Kyle McCord has another great game, are we going to be able to say that Ohio State has the better of the two quarterbacks in next week's game? I would say maybe the one who's playing better. But I would oh, not man. say that Kyle McCord can become just flat out better than McCarthy with a good performance here. I think even though McCarthy lately, they, they haven't been put the ball in his hands. And, I mean, who knows? McCarthy could have a killer week against Maryland this week. Um, I, I still think there's a clear difference there in skill at quarterback. But but I think as, as far as it goes for, for picking with your three criteria, home field, quarterback, coach, you it could potentially sway. If, if McCord is, is on fire and uh, McCarthy continues to just be so-so. Like we've been saying about John Paddock, you got to trust the hot hands. It's true. Have to. You just do. All right, Reed. That's it for our Week 12 preview. Anybody, anything you want to shout out this week before we wrap it up? Um, I suppose I will give a shout-out to the Michigan Daily Reporters who beat us in flag football. Um, still cool of them to make a big bus trip down here just to play a game with us. They weren't really here to coincidentally cover anything. Um, it was all for fun. Most of them great sports and Connor Irgood's student media poll voter was there as well. He's a great defensive lineman. So shout out to him and also shout out to Evan Hartman, student media poll voter in women's basketball. He let me borrow a table last week, class act of a guy. So two class acts there. Huge shouts to to both of them. That's uh that's huge. You, you gotta love the the traveling table. It's uh a tradition unlike any other. But yeah, Reed, shout shouts to them for sure. Uh, I will give a shout out to give a shout out to my Indiana Pacers. Uh big, big week ahead of us, crossing our fingers that we can make some noise in this in-season tournament. That's all I've got, Reed. Thank you for joining us as always and enjoy your college football Saturday until next time for Reed Murray. My name is Patrick Feltz and we will see you later. Bye.